Hello, everyone. Thank you for downloading this Before the Medals podcast. I'm Richard, and on today's show, we talk to Matt Letissier, or Le God, as the Southampton fans call him. <laughs> a Premier League football legend with a goal show reel as good as you will ever find. Seriously, YouTube that now. We talk growing up in Guernsey, how having older brothers brought his level up quicker and his philosophy that why others ran around, he only had to stay still to find space on the pitch. Please do like, share and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. It helps us to keep going and interview the most amazing people. To find out all that's happening with our podcast, please go to www.beforethemedals.com and sign up to our newsletter. Thank you for your support. Here is Le God. Hello and welcome to Before the Medals. Today I am in the fortunate position to be talking someone, to someone that I admired growing up as a sportsman, Mr. Matt Letissier. Uh, idolised at Southampton Football Club where they name him Le God. <laughs> We've heard that a few times. Uh, he made 443 appearances for the club, scoring 161 goals, most of which were from another planet. Um, Matt made eight appearances for England. And since his career finished as a footballer, has worked as a highly respected pundit on TV, where he currently works on the incredibly fun Soccer Saturday show on Sky. Matt was voted PFA Young Player of the Year and was the first midfielder to score 100 goals in the Premier League. He is also famous for being one of the greatest, if not the greatest, penalty takers of all time, something that we're not particularly known for <laughs> in this country. Uh, and he scored 47 out of 48 penalties in, the, in his career. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to take you back. We're going to take you way back, Matt. Nice. Um, so, what's your earliest memory of sport? Well, my earliest memory of sport would be um, probably just kicking a ball about as soon as I could pretty much walk. Um, in terms of competitive sport, I think my first memory was probably playing for my school team, which uh, uh, were an under-11 side, um, but I was eight years of age and um, we played in a seven-a-side football tournament. Uh, and I'm as an eight-year-old, I was playing in the under-11s and we got to the final of this tournament and won the final 2-1 against the hot favourites and I scored both the goals. And that was my first... At eight years old? That was my first ever medal. Um, were, you, were you a big eight-year-old? Was there no. a big difference between you and the 11-year-olds? Uh, yeah, there was quite a big size difference. Um, but even at that age, I had a real good control of the football and uh, kind of knew what I was doing. Where did that come from? Was that a natural gift or is that something that you worked on even at that age? Uh, I think it was quite natural. Um, I came from a very sporting family. Uh, my dad uh, had trials at Arsenal. Um, my I've got three older brothers um, and two of them had had offers to become uh, professional footballers and turn them down. Okay. Uh, I also had a couple of uncles who were very, very good footballers. Um, on, that was on my mum's side. So, I think all those things combined gave me a pretty good chance of being a decent sportsman. I bet. And I, I imagine those older brothers helped you because they were a bit further on with their development, so you're sort of trying to keep up. Um, without question. I think um, there's like a four, five and six-year age gap um, 
to my older brothers, uh, and I was always wanting to to obviously play with them and their mates. And um, if you're going to play with the big boys, you got to you got to <laughs> learn how to do it properly and learn pretty quick. And uh, and I think growing up, I always kind of played with kids that were older than me, and I think that helped my development massively. I bet it did. I think. That's um, you know, you, you I imagine this was out in the street, out in a Oh yeah, it was on the estate that I lived in. Um there was a couple of car parks which weren't really used as car parks. We used to take the football in there and, and play in there and there wasn't a lot of grass around uh, in terms of big spaces on the estate that I grew up in, but these car parks were kinda a nice shape for a decent game of five aside. Did the big boys encourage you or were they like like sink or swim? Yeah, you can play with us, but Oh yeah, they didn't take it easy. No uh, no, no, they uh uh, they were they were trying their best and and you know that's kind of how I developed my game you know playing against kids that were much bigger than me much quicker than me and I had to find out ways to to get past them and um, you know that that helped me massively. Did you play any other sports at that time when you were sort of that sort of age? Oh yeah, age? I played I played every kind of round ball sport really and I never played rugby um, but anything where the ball moved um, I uh, I was able to to pick it up quite quickly so I played. Um, Tennis to a reasonable standard, table tennis. Uh, played cricket to to a really good standard. Uh, I was the hockey goalkeeper at school. Uh, That's the dangerous position, isn't it? That? Yeah, the... well, you had all the pads on, so it was all right. You know, it wasn't too bad. Um, and you were, it was the only position where you were allowed to kick the ball. You see, so, oh, there you go. so that's why I chose the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, at most ball sports, I, I was pretty good at. How important do you think that is in your development? And if you look back now, how important was it to to mix it up and play other things? Um, I think it was um, massively important because you co- all your coordination, all the skills that come from all the different sports. So I played a lot of racket sports uh, and all that eye-hand, eye-foot coordination just helps you so much when you're playing football. Um, so I, my advice to any kid would be go and just play loads of different sports because it will help you in the one that you want to be really good at. Yeah, I think it it's something that maybe some parents need to think about as well because you see the young young kids now they have a talent in a particular sport and it's yeah, like and all they just in, throw all it all in. in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not I don't think it's the right way to go. I think you can you can learn a lot of different things from a lot of different sports which which can help you. Um so you know, don't just just concentrate on one, you know, like just have a have a go at everything. You never know what you'll pick up for other sports. So you're growing up in Guernsey. It's uh, obviously an island. Um sort of, you know, see it, see all around you and you're thinking, yep. right, there's a big bad world out there. Is there is there is there heroes straight straight away for you? Uh yeah, I had sporting heroes growing up. Um Glenn Hoddle was me football hero. Um, you know, Ian Botham at cricket was uh was another one. Um people like Alex Higgins and Jimmy White at Snooker. How uh, how did you feel in the sense of being on the island? Did you feel like they were a million miles away or were you encouraged? Was that um, something at home that you were encouraged to to look at to watch sport? I, I always watched loads of sport, um, and that's that's kind of how you learn. You, you watch the best play, and then you go out in the field and you try and copy them. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Uh, were they miles away? Yeah, in a way they were. Um, but occasionally we'd have professional football teams come to Guernsey and play against our best teams on the island. Um, so you know, I occasionally get to see a, a professional team. Um, and actually, I, I supported Spurs as a boy, uh, and they came over to Guernsey, um, and they actually played in a game that was immediately after a game that I was playing in. Um, I was playing for the Guernsey under fifteen side, and uh, and I actually um, missed a penalty in that game uh, when all the Spurs players were in the stand watching. 
Yeah, How did that feel? Looking back, it's a bit bizarre <laughs> given my penalty record at professional level. That, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got all, my, all these blokes that I thought were my heroes in the stand and I had the chance to score a penalty. And I How old were you then? 15, I think I was. Yeah. I mean, that's a, obviously, you know, you've got to deal with that. You know, mentally, how, how did you how did you approach failure even at that age? Did, you know, there would have been times where you missed penalties or yeah, you, know, you, you miss penalties, you miss chances. But you know, if you if you take more than you miss, you're going to be all right. So and was that I, always I kinda, the attitude? Yeah, I never really I never really fretted too much over over missing stuff, and I think that's that's kind of one of the keys to any any good goal scorer. Yeah, he he doesn't mind missing. Yeah. You've, got to take you've, got to, you've got to be in that position to get there in the first place. Um, you know, so you've done most of your job. All that's missing is the last bit. And you know if you've got confidence in your ability when the next one comes along, you still feel like you're going to stick it in the back of the net. So. That confidence has to come from somewhere. And I'd imagine it comes from hours and hours of practice, right? Yes. Yeah, oh, without question. Um, when you're younger and you're on the island, with a, you know, you're obviously you've been playing with the older boys. Is there anything else that you're... you're putting into your regime even as a young age to try and improve your your talent? Um, I think only just from watching players. I'd watch match of the day. You know, there wasn't a, a whole load of live football around in those days, yeah. so it was all the highlight stuff. So you'd watch at a match of the day and you'd see some players do things and then you'd go out with your mates and on the estate and you'd, you'd experiment and you'd try things that you were seeing on the television and that's kind of that's kind of how you learn. I was lucky that, you know, I had that ability to be able to control a ball and kind of put it almost where I wanted um, for the majority of the time. And, and that kind of makes things a lot easier to, to attempt all the stuff that I was seeing on the program. Yeah. Uh, we have an incredible programs. ability to control football. Um, when Obviously, that probably came reasonably naturally to you, but yeah. you know, it, it's something you work on. Oh, yeah. You know, you, um, I heard a story it. of you kicking a tennis ball against a wall and trapping it. And yeah. That's yeah, not normal to... behaviour for, for everybody. <laughs> you know. No, no. So, I, you know, at times when I was on my own, uh, my brothers weren't around, none of my mates were around. I had a spare half an hour. I'd just get a tennis ball. I'd throw it against the, the side of the, or the front of the house and it would just bounce. And I'd just chest trap and volley and, uh, against the, the back shed of the next door neighbours. Did you know why you were doing it? Did you did you just fancy it or was it just something that you just... I just wanted to get better at football. Yeah. I just wanted I loved it. I loved it so much um, and I just wanted to be the best I could possibly be at it. Uh, and I knew that if you if you want to do that, you've got to practice and, uh, and it was just that I had the ball, I had a wall, I had something <laughs> that I could use as a goal. And I kind of used my imagination to to dream things up, and you know I'd just make sure that I would always make sure that the, the chest trap was good, so the ball was put in the right place. For me, I'd be able to volley it, and then I, when I come to the volley, it was always aiming at the corners in the yeah. corners because I just pretended that there was a goalkeeper right in the middle, um, and that was kind of what I did. It takes really. a lot of drive to do that, though. It does take a lot of drive at a young age, you know, and you can be doing but, lots of other things. Yeah, but there wasn't. There wasn't lots of other things back in those <laughs> days. That's the thing, you know. Uh, video games had only just about started to be invented, um, and you know we weren't uh, we weren't a rich family. We didn't have loads of toys and things, and uh, we just had balls. And you kind of go out and you invent games and uh, and use your imagination with the family. Obviously, you got your brothers, you know, a bit older and spurring you on. And you talk about your dad was a good footballer. How much of an influence was that on on you as well? Well, I think. Um, my parents were were brilliant for me growing up. So encouraging of of any sport that I played. You know, they they'd be there. They they 
take me to wherever I needed to go. Um, it's a know. sacrifice, isn't it? Oh, it's a huge, huge sacrifice, especially it was four of us, you know, and they were doing it to they were doing it for all of us, um, you know. Yeah. So they made massive sacrifices in their life, and uh, um, they're just the greatest people, you know. I, I've always always said on record that you know I, I couldn't have wished to have had better parents. I mean, mom and dad are just brilliant, and to this day they're still brilliant. That's amazing, and that has a massive impact. You know, you know, you've got that support network. Mm. You can then make take those risks you can Absolutely. take those steps and yeah and they had foresight as well because my my two older brothers who had chances to be footballers um they didn't take those opportunities because they got homesick and didn't want to leave the island um so my my parents i think saw that i also had that ability that was probably good enough to to be a professional um and they encouraged me at 11 12 13 years of age to get off the island without them and go to soccer schools in the UK and, and, wow. and have, a, have a week's training away from home just to get me used to being away from them a little bit. That's and incredible, when it, Yeah, it? and when it came, you know, I, had a, I, I actually left home the first time. I went to Oxford. Uh, I think I must have only been 14, maybe just 15. Uh, and I left um, my school in Guernsey. And I went to live with friends of my dad in, in Oxford uh, so that I was able to train with, with Oxford's um, youth players during the holidays and, and in the evenings and stuff, um, you know, and that kind of was a, a good experience for me. I only lasted about a month because it was, I found it really hard. Um, going to a new school was, I just found it really tough to kind of fit in. Um, and so I, I went back to Guernsey after about a month and uh, um, a year later when I had the chance then to go to Southampton, I kind of knew what was, what I was expected. I was a year older uh, and it kind of made things a lot easier for me. So I think being away from home, that little bit of time, growing, you know, just going through eleven to yeah, little yeah. bits and little bits. You know, the Oxford thing probably was a bit too early for me um, at, at that age. But then, uh, you know, when it came at sixteen and, and I had the chance to go to Southampton, um, that's know, incredible foresight from for your it. parents, isn't it? Mm. To do that, is that something they they maybe learned from your brother's situation? Yeah, or? I think so. I think so because I don't think my brothers really got off the island too much before they had the chance with the with the football club. So, uh, you know, it was a it was a massive difference to them in their life, and and they weren't able to adjust to it um, quickly enough to be able to take the chances. So, um, I think they saw that and, and wanted me to have the best chance possible. So, we talk about sacrifice a lot on on the show and the uh what it takes to 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 get to that level when you do go over to Southampton finally how old are you then I'm 16 and how did you feel how how did it how did it feel like okay I'm I'm literally going to go and move there that that is um were you it, excited? Was, it, was, it was exciting but it was it was also a bit nerve-wracking because obviously I, I left before and, and only lasted a month um but this was kind of this was a bit more concrete, so I had a I had an apprenticeship which took me to my 18th birthday. So I had a, a real chance where I was going to be every day a full time footballer, um, and you know that was it was my dream as a kid to, to be a footballer, and this is what this is my best opportunity. So yes, I was a, a bit nervous, but I was really excited. So you go over at 16. There's still you know I mean there's thousands of kids in the country that go through that YTS program, and yeah. and not everybody makes it. When was the moment? where you felt, okay, I, I can be a professional? Or did you know from a young age? Was there a defining moment or was um, it just a gradual process? I think that, that first season that I was there in the Southampton youth team, um, I think probably 
halfway through that season, I probably realised I was I was going to be good enough to be a professional. I'd, I'd scored a lot of goals in that youth team, you know, more than anyone else in my team, more than anyone else in any of the other teams in that league that I was playing in. I, you know, yeah. I was just, and I was finding it not not easy, but I I, I was comfortable in that. And that the confidence increases and absolutely, and and then within. Um, you know, another six months. I think I was just before my 18th birthday. I made my debut. I mean, it was, you know, it was about six weeks short of my 18th birthday when I made my debut. Was there during that process in the, you know, the youth team? Were there any particular coaches or mentors which really helped? Oh God, Dave Merrington at Southampton was just, you know, people ask me about the biggest influence on my career. Um, you know, Alan Ball was a fantastic manager for me, and I had the best spell of my career under him, and he was amazing. Um, in terms of developing me as a as a footballer and a, and a player and a person, Dave Merrington in the Southampton youth team was just incredible. He did for, incredible for, things for just, there, didn't he? Yeah, not just for me. You know, there was a, a lot of boys uh, around that those years that kind of made a good living out of the game, even if they weren't the most talented lads. Dave kind of instilled into you this mental toughness and just an attitude about you that, that you're going to. Doesn't matter if even if it's not Southampton, you'll make a, a living at this game. What was his special skills? Uh, the, the mental toughness. I think it, his special skills was actually knowing what made each player tick because everyone was a little bit different. Arm round some, kick yeah. up the bum of others. Absolutely. He kind of knew when you needed uh, a kick up the backside, but he also knew when to praise you, you know, and he kind of just had that real respect from, from all the players about him. You had a, it was a little bit of fear there, but there was also a little bit of respect and you could have a laugh with him. Um, at the right times, and you had to you had to learn very quickly when those times worked. If you did it at the wrong time, you were in trouble. Really? <laughs> yeah. And if you were in trouble with uh, David, if you were in trouble with time, Dave, it was it was a, a <laughs> uh, the old hair dryer would come out, and uh, yeah. there were also a lot of uh, sessions where he would kind of just put the ball away and just go right. I'm just going to run you now, and he would just run you until you have no energy left in your body. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, you know, it taught you, it toughened you up. What inspired you as a youth team player? Was it, was it the players? Did you use like quotes or music to inspire you? What what got you going? What, what inspired got you, me? Yeah, what got you going for a game or for training? Like, because it is difficult because you you know you're you're away, and I know you love the game, um, but there must be times where you know you are running and running and running, and you're tired, and you've got to get back up, and you've got to work hard again. Yeah, I mean that. <sighs> You just want to be a footballer that badly that at, at that age you'll do whatever it takes. You know, if your youth team coach says, right, you have to run up and down this pitch 48 times and uh, and you'll probably be thrown up at the end of it. But at the end of that, it'll make you a better person, a better player and more chance of being a professional footballer. You'll go, fair enough, bring it on, let's do it. So there was no backup plan? No, not really. Um, I think <laughs> uh, I think I'd probably, looking back, if I hadn't been a footballer, I would probably have tried to be a cricketer. Really? Mm. Yeah. Bowler, batsman? I was a decent batsman. Um, again, I had good eye, good yeah. coordination. Um, fancied myself as the next Ian Botham <laughs> with a bat. Um, wasn't quite as good a bowler as him. Um, but I kept wicket as well. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I held hand-eye again. Yeah, so it was quite... Um, I used to love my cricket as well, so... Uh, maybe, you know, that maybe. That. Been but always sport. Second choice. Something, well, something in sport. sport, it would have to have been. Yeah, my whole... Growing up, my entire childhood was dominated by sport through my family. Do you love winning more or do you hate losing more? So, oh, that's a good question. Is it, is it 
when it when you you're driven, you know, because obviously your you, sounds to me like your drive was just to be a footballer. But obviously, with that, you you need to score those goals. You want to win games. You want to be yeah, the main man. I you kind of goals. I wanted to. What was Matt Letizia like losing? Entertain. I'm, I'm, I wasn't a great loser um, growing up. I, I, I learned obviously at Southampton. I learned to lose. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it never sits comfortably with you when you've got that drive and, and stuff. I don't think you can get to that level without. No, absolutely. No. So so yeah, I, I hated losing. I loved winning. Um, I think there are some wins that you cherish more than more, more than others because sometimes you can win a game. And you've had a really bad game. Yeah. And you kind of go home and you go, yeah, we won today, but you know what? I ain't even sure if I'm going to be playing next week because I was that bad today. Right. So you can kind of get away with it in a team environment sometimes. Obviously, there are games where the team might not have played great. You've had a good game. You've nicked a winner in the last minute and you're the hero. And you go and think, oh, brilliant, that's great. <laughs> but when actually you, you kind of look at it and go, actually, the team was shit today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was different ways of different ways of winning and different feelings when you've won yeah but whenever you lost it was kind of pretty much the same and you know even if you'd played well and you'd lost it wasn't really much point yeah I mean you you're known as and from you know me growing up watching you play and, and, and for a lot of people just the talent was just amazing the skill level the goals that's what you know people will always talk about with Matt Letizia mm. or Lagod. <laughs> uh, down at Southampton and I wonder if you think it's it is talent or if it's hard work or if it's a mixture of both no of course it's always a mixture of both I mean I, I know I had a, you need talent I, I had a, a reputation yeah you I mean you have to have talent to get to a certain level um, you can get to you can get somewhere with hard work alone but at the core of it you have to have some piece of ability there to be able to work with at the start yeah um it's it is an interesting argument. Um, you know, I was kind of probably blessed with a lot of natural ability, and, and people kind of uh, would always label me as as being a lazy footballer. Um, when you know, I kind of went along with it. I didn't argue with people because you can't really argue with people. You can't change their opinions. Um, but I think when you kind of look at it, uh, at, at the end of my career, having played. 540 games in all competitions for, for Southampton scoring t- over 200 goals yeah if you throw in the, the assists in that as well um, you kind of you'd struggle to be able to put those kind of numbers up yeah. by being really really lazy yeah and that's kind of everybody's uh, interpretation of me as a player when if you kind of look at it deeply enough and look at the numbers you don't get up. there without being la- with being lazy. You, you, you don't get you there by being lazy. No. I think a lot of the time in in football, you know, especially now with all the data that's around. I mean, back in my day, it was kind of people's opinion, uh, and that was yeah. that. Um, uh, I think the data that's around now shows you, you know, you'll, you'll you'll have an opinion on a player because it's there in black and white how many yards he's he's run in a game. Um, whereas people would look in my day and, and go, well, he hasn't. He hasn't really worked very hard today, but what they don't often see is that when I haven't got the ball and I might not be moving, but I might be in the best position on that pitch to be to receive a ball when my team then gets possession of it. To make an and assist I, and I've or done that. goal. Yeah, and I've done that on purpose to make myself space. Um, you know, And I joke about it a little bit, but there's, there's um, a sense of reality to it that actually on a football pitch, 
standing still is the best way to make space for yourself. With you as a player, obviously you talk about all those goals and, and all those assists. Ultimately, it doesn't matter how far you run, it's the impact on the game. Sometimes, <laughs> exactly you know, right. like you I, can have someone running 15k a game, but if then if they're not making any impact on no, I mean, the game, it's not you know, it's it, not gonna change the game. It's it's how you how you use your yardage that you run that's important, not yeah. how far you run. Quality over over quantity. Yeah, sometimes. you know, you can you can have a headless chicken run around a football pitch for ninety minutes and make no contribution to the game whatsoever. And everyone go, Oh yeah, but he works hard. Works hard, yeah. yeah and the fans love him. What's he done? What's he done for your team? Yeah. Yeah. Um Matt, we always finish with some sort of photo finish questions. Okay. Um can you remember your first medal in anything? Yes. What was it? That was the uh, the under the under, the under 11 the seven aside tournament. The under still 11s. got the medal. My mum still got it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah is it pride of place? Yeah. Or no, it's, it in, it's in a loft. <laughs> it's in the loft now. In a cupboard somewhere uh, in, a, in in a box. I like the fact she still got it though. Yeah, you know, she, you know, she kept everything. My mum she did. She did me scrapbooks. Yeah. Uh, uh, for probably up until I got to like 22, 23 <laughs> years of age, and then she couldn't keep up with it anymore. <laughs> And uh, did you have a favourite? Will take you this not to show your age or anything, but would you have a favourite motivational song? Is there something that got you going, taking you back? Oh, from childhood. <laughs> uh, so I'm sort of uh, let's say Southampton going through the when you were a younger player. Um, I had what sort of music you were into? I, I, I quite like Chesney Hawks, the one and only. That was there. You that go. Was quite a good That's song. a classic. That was that was one of my favourites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we all love Chesney exactly brilliant uh, favourite pre-game meal is there anything you'd have for I mean, whatever lots that I would have preferred to have had which we weren't allowed um, so yeah to be a bit more sensible <laughs> but I kind of intended to go for the uh, uh, the omelette and omelette and baked beans um, jacket potato that kind of stuff yeah nothing if, too exciting if uh, you could go back now let's say 16 years old, just started over at Southampton, the youth team. Yeah. And you could sit next to yourself, go back in time, little time machine, Dr. Hewitt, and put your arm around him and say, give him some advice. What would it be? Uh, I think it would probably be um, when you get the headed chance against Italy at Wembley, make sure it goes the other side of the post. <laughs> 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 I never scored for England and uh, and that was the closest I came and uh, I think if that header had gone in against Italy and we hadn't have lost that game I might have played a few more times for England that's, that would have been the advice that's my one <laughs> that's my one bit of my career I look back and go oh, you should have done that everything else you should have done that differently you should have got the header in on target and, you know. super happy with everything else oh, I got no regrets I had a great time brilliant well look it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today Thank you for your time. I know no you're an incredibly busy man. <laughs> Going on, uh, we're at Saturday today. We're heading on Soccer Saturday, which everybody loves. Indeed. Um, so thank you, and we really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll inspire that next generation. Let's hope so, mate. Thanks, Matt. No problem. Well, that was an absolute privilege for me growing up watching Matt Letissier he was a real hero of mine and to meet him and discuss the steps he took to get that good was incredible if you enjoyed this chat please do let Matt know on Twitter at MattLettis7 also you can please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts 
We can only continue to find out what it takes to succeed at the highest level with your help. So please do click that subscribe button and share it with anyone you think would benefit from listening to this podcast. As always, this is completely free, but if it was worth something to you, Matt is an ambassador of the Prostate Cancer UK charity and would love you to support the charity in any way you can. Just visit www.prostatecanceruk.org. You can find out more about our podcast at www.beforethemedals.com or you can send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at Before the Medals. Thank you for your support. On next week's podcast, we will be talking to 400-meter hurdles, Commonwealth and European medalist Reese Williams. Have an awesome week and see you on the other side. <laughs>